Welcome to the Energy Star Podcast, brought to you by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Thank you for joining us for this episode of our 2007 series dedicated to energy-efficient products and practices. For more information, please visit us on the Internet at energystar.gov. That's energystar.gov. Welcome to the latest Energy Star Podcast. I'm Denise Surrett with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency's Energy Star Program. Today, we will talk about ways we can all help protect the environment through being more energy efficient at home. Americans now consider global climate change to be our country's biggest environmental concern, and many people are now looking for ways to make a difference. We know that the average family spends nearly $2,000 a year on energy costs, but what may be surprising to some is that the average home can be responsible for twice as many greenhouse gas emissions as the average car. So what can you do to reduce your impact on the planet? It's easier than you may think. My guests today have all been involved one way or another with helping consumers to learn about ways they can reduce their footprints on the environment. Joining me today are Tom Watson, who writes the Eco-Consumer Monthly Column for the Seattle Times, which helps the residents and businesses of King County learn ways to reduce their impact on the environment. Tom, welcome. Thank you. Kitty Morgan is the executive editor of Better Homes and Gardens. She is also the lead editor for Better Homes and Gardens' new green section called Living Green, which helps readers make smart, informed decisions for their homes that will help protect the environment. Kitty, welcome. Hi, Denise. Finally, Ken Scheinkoff is the public affairs director for the Florida Solar Energy Center, which conducts research, tests, and certifies solar systems and develops educational programs. He also writes a nationally syndicated weekly column on home energy and answers questions from his readers on how to maximize their energy efficiency. Welcome, Ken. Thanks, Denise. Glad to be here. So let's start off by taking a broader look at the increase in energy use in our homes and how this has sparked a growing interest in finding ways to make our homes more energy efficient and also learning about how to be greener in our daily lives. Kitty, your magazine is dedicated to making our homes and gardens a better place to be. But tell us about how you are now helping homeowners make our planet a better place to live with the new Living Green section. Well, thanks, Dave. The, um I've just launched this section in response to our understanding that our readers are very hungry for information and they're confused about what to do. We have recently conducted a survey on our bhd.com site and we had 14,000 respondents. And of course, this is, these are people who selected or chose to, to take a green survey, so they obviously had some interest. But we learned a lot of different things from that survey, but the most important um, aspect of living green for our readers, all the most important things were around energy conservation. They viewed finding ways to conserve energy in their homes as very important. 75% of our, of our respondents said that was important, although 78% said seeing the Energy Star label on a new appliance purchase was very important to them. Then there was a big drop-off between the, for our respondents about um, you know, whether driving an energy-efficient vehicle or using green products in their home or in their garden. Um, the importance of those um, areas dropped off significantly. So we realized that this is a big area of concern but we also have found that readers don't know where to start, and that's what we're trying to do, is give them some very simple, convenient starting points um, so they can save energy. 
Absolutely. Um, a question I'd like to ask the group, and everyone can weigh in, is do you all, from the perspective of what you do in terms of outreach to consumers or homeowners, do you sense that consumers are more concerned about saving money on energy bills as a result of rising energy prices or rising gas prices, or is the concern more about global warming um, in terms of the impact that is being seen on our environment, or do you feel that the concern is equal? This is Tom out in Seattle. I would say that it is fairly equal in general. Right now, there is such a huge media push and public interest in the environment, especially global warming. I really think it's unprecedented that people are hearing about these business initiatives and church groups with environmental programs and almost all sectors of society. So the consumer interest is reflected in that. But saving money is always a concern. Prices are going up all over, including gas prices. And so they're both very high in consumers' minds. This is Ken. I'd like to echo what was just said. Uh, clearly, the economics uh, are a major factor to homeowners, and they often immediately think, you know, what does this mean to me? How much money can I save? What can we do? But there's been a tremendous growing awareness in recent years of the environmental impact, and that also translates to that personal level. What, what does a changing environment, what do air problems, what do the various other problems mean? to me and my family. So the, the thing about it is that the issue in general has really gotten personal on both the how much money can I save and how much of a better life can we all live if we do these things. And that's been a real stimulus, I think, to increase interest in energy efficiency. And this is, this is Kitty. And I, I would say that we're, we, we understand that we need to give our readers you know, lots of explanations. They, they do know um, about the concerns over global warming, but they're not going to take action unless they can see what's in it for themselves. And we're trying to do the, that two-pronged approach that we, we are, are giving recommendations of very simple everyday practices that they can take that they can put into their lives. We're trying to translate that then into what the benefit is and then also point out how this is going to affect their larger community and the planet itself. This is Tom again, and in addition to writing the Eco-Consumer Conference for the Seattle Times, I actually do that as part of my job for King County government. So I work for local government and talk to groups and the public a lot. And what I love about the Energy Star program is that it really is a great bridge between the environment and saving money. And so people are looking for examples of ways to save money and help the environment. And Energy Star is one of the main examples we can give, the great website and the resources and the logos on the appliances. So that's something we can really send people to that they appreciate. Yes, and we have seen great success with the Energy Star program um, over the years in terms of the number of people who are recognizing the label as you know, the symbol for energy efficiency, and we've been told that it makes it easy for the consumers to actually find products that they know um, are going to use less energy and help them do a good thing for the environment in addition to saving money. So that's a very interesting uh, perspective. Ken, a question for you. Um, how, how do you feel home energy efficiency has changed since 
you started writing about Energy Star, are you are you seeing a vast change in, in what people are interested in or, you know, are they very baseline type questions that you receive? Actually, the interesting thing about that question is I can answer it vastly different ways based upon the, uh, the feedback I get. I, I've been writing the column for almost 22 years now. Huh. And what amazes me is that I'll get some of the most fascinating letters from people who clearly are aware of the impact of energy use on their lives and on the environment, who clearly want to do something, who are aware of the Energy Star label, aware of the Energy Guide labels on, on appliances, are aware of all of the ways that they can tell what makes a difference. And then the same day I'll get a handful of emails or letters from people who are like at the starting point. Uh, gee, my power bill was really high last month. Is there anything I can do about it? And so I think what we've got is a, an audience out there of, of homeowners and renters, you know, just every consumer, and many people really get it and really see what it means to them. And we still have people who are at the base level of education, and it's an effort that we just can't slow down on. I, I'm convinced that we've got to keep telling the story because it really has such an impact on everyone that it, it's too important not to keep telling. Absolutely. Tom, kind of uh, the same question for you, but a little twist on it. I know you write a, uh, several different topic, on several different topics for your column. Which, yes. which one of your topics gets the most coverage? Is it, is it energy efficiency? Is it a recycling thing? Do you, what do your readers seem to be more interested in? I do all variety of topics in the eco-consumer column. Right now it's running every two weeks in the Seattle Times Home and Garden section, and it's covered from waste reduction to fair trade issues, uh, solar panels. Um, the other day it was about uh, what to do with old uh, leftover medicines and drugs. And all, I've done maybe 30, 30 or 40 different columns over the past couple of years, and the one that I had the highest interest in was just a few weeks ago, and it was CFL bulbs. It was the compact fluorescent bulbs. I had more emails. My, my email address and phone number is at the end of each column. I had more consumer response from this column about energy-efficient lighting, the CFL bulbs, many of them which have the Energy Star logo, than anything else. People are fascinated by these bulbs. Some of them have some issues with the bulbs, and... They wanted to share those. Some of them wanted to know, well, are there free lay bulbs? Are there dimmable bulbs? And some of that I covered in the story. Others with individual responses. There's a lot of interest in energy, and that was the number one column topic that got the most interest. I thought that was real interesting, the CFL bulbs. Yes, that's a very famous tip that we use here at Energy Star, which is to change five lights to, for people to replace their five most frequently used lights or the bulbs in them with ones that have earned the energy star. So that's good that that word is getting around. This is Mrs. Kitty um, about the, the CFLs. That we had an interesting little tidbit of. Uh, we got a number of letters of readers concerned about the mercury in CFLs and how to dispose of them once they were used up. And, and of course, there's a very tiny amount of mercury, and of course it has to be disposed of correctly, but what that said to me was there's 
still, there's so much educating, what, what both Ken and Tom were saying. There's so much education that has to go on. But also, in the, in the vacuum of information, when consumers and when our readers don't know the answer, they almost come up with reasons not to do something. You know, here we were, we were telling them, use these bulbs. You're going to be, you know, saving this amount of energy yourself. All this tons of carbon emissions out of the air, blah, blah. And they're, like, concerned over this little bit of mercury. And what are they going to do about it? And maybe we shouldn't do it if there's mercury in it. So there's a lot, there's still a lot of clarity and um, a lot of context that has to be relayed to, to consumers before they actually buy in. This is um, Ken. With just, uh, I have to agree that of everything I write, which also you know covers the whole spectrum, nothing draws as much interest as when you talk about CFLs. And the biggest change that I see these days is that years ago, most of the comments, most of the things readers asked about or questioned was the high price of the product. It's very clear to me that the prices of compact fluorescence have dropped so much that price is not a barrier anymore. It's, it's really become much more accepted. What I find more of, a, of an initial barrier is the question that I get so frequently is that everybody seems to picture, or many people seem to picture, energy efficiency as big ticket items, replacing the air conditioner or the furnace or a new roof or whatever they're talking about. And what's interesting is that a fairly inexpensive light bulb, uh, because you have so many in a house, really can add up as one of these major energy users. And I like to reply to people, if you don't think your lighting bill makes much of an impact on your overall utility cost, take a walk around your house today and count how many light bulbs you have. And people, you know, it's not unusual to have people tell me there's 30 or 40 or 50 of them. I mean, the numbers are staggering. And what's happened is the old barrier of high price, I think, is really pretty much gone. And now people realize it's cost competitive, and now you see it's accepted and viewed. CFLs are a whole different type of product these days than they were just a few years ago. Great. Kitty, you mentioned that in a lot of the research that you did, um, your response, the readers responded that they wanted to do this, but they didn't know exactly where to begin. Um, as you're developing this, this um, Living Green section, um, how do you plan to um, guide them, so to speak, on you know, the best process to, to the best way to approach beginning the uh, energy efficiency Sure. Um, we're trying to break, we're breaking the home down into small pieces. Um, our July issue, we're covering green practices in your kitchen. So very, some very basic things that people can do within their kitchen. Run their dishwasher when it's fully loaded. Use um, glass containers instead of plastic for storing food. I mean, there's a, lot, a number of different things, some of which are energy related and some are which are, some, are about using resources. Um, and in that, we're trying to give people lots of options because that's something we heard from the research very strongly, that people felt, well, there's not enough. Either things cost too much or I can't find the things you're telling, you know, that I should be doing. It's, there's, it's vague to them. Um, so, you know, it sounds like they haven't been to, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's recently to, because they're loaded with um, green products for their gardens and for their homes. But... 
So we're looking to add lots of options to name products, but always with the view of that there's value involved, that it's not something that's going to be the $400 composter, but something that's a very basic thing that isn't isn't going to cost them a lot. And we think over time we're going to be proving to readers that there are options out there, and we're going to be building resources um, that we can put online and such that that can actually serve the readers. I mean, I think one of the other gentlemen mentioned that getting those resources out there and helping people, helping consumers see those resources will will also add to their comfort level. Absolutely. Tom, in your outreach to consumers, um, yes. Have you found that any of the incentives that are out now, m- many utilities offer incentives for purchasing energy-efficient products for your homes. Um, there are the federal tax incentives, um, those types of um, you know, manufacturer and utility rebates, those sorts of things. Are those um, good tools, things that we should try to increase more so that we're bringing more people into the fold of energy efficiency? Do those help? I definitely think those should be increased more on on every level from the utilities to anything that the federal and state governments can do because all of that just makes it more affordable for the public. Here in the Seattle area, our utilities, Seattle City Light and Puget Sound Energy have various rebate programs. They've had different ones in the past and ones now on uh, energy efficient uh, lighting fixtures and sometimes on CFL bulbs sometimes on appliances for both energy and water efficiency. And those really make a difference. Um, my wife and I bought a uh, front-loading washing machine with a rebate to one of those local programs, and that, that helps make the difference in us wanting to buy that appliance. So I would really encourage that because that's going to help people make these changes. Awesome. This is Ken. A quick comment there to follow up. I think that anybody who has wanted to make their home more energy efficient and has not taken uh, this any actions really in the last few years needs to know that there's no time like today. We have such wonderful incentives. Uh, the, the federal tax credit, which pays uh, up to 10% uh, to a certain maximum on many products and appliances you buy for your home, there are all kinds of state tax credits and incentives and rebates. There are many, there are literally several hundred utility company rebate programs around the country, everything from paying for up to a certain amount for uh, compact fluorescent lights up to paying toward insulation. There are other incentives as well. There are property tax exemptions and there are sales tax exemptions on products dealing with efficiency. It's very hard almost to find a place in the country where there aren't local or regional incentives. I can't ever recall a time when we've had as many as we have right now. So anybody who's been delaying really needs to know this is the wonderful time to take advantage of it all. Great. I'd like to cover a couple of simple things that people can do at home. We've talked about changing out light bulbs from incandescents to CFLs. We've talked about upgrading certain appliances in the home, the larger ticket items. One of the things that I talk about a lot running the cooling and heating campaigns that I do with Energy Star are the heating and cooling systems in our home that, as I said before, our home energy bills average about $2,000 a year. And most people may not recognize that nearly half of that annual bill is attributed to either heating in the winter or cooling in the summer. 
summer, one of the major tips that I give people is to make sure that their systems are well maintained, that they get annual and seasonal checkups of their equipment and make sure that those air filters are changed because certain neglects are often the number one causes of system failure. What are some of your favorite tips to give people, kind of the quick and easy tips that you give out? This is Tom. One would be to clean your furnace filter regularly. That will improve the efficiency of the furnace. And also to check duct work and make sure there are not gaps in the ducts. There's, there's different ways to patch those ducts. Ironically, uh, duct tape is not considered a good way to patch ducts, but there's other, there's a, there's this stuff called Mastec or there's certain kinds of uh, treatments you can use to patch those ducts. So those are two examples that I like to use that I, I think really can have a, can have a major effect sometimes. Oh, this is Ken. This actually ties in with, I think, a a related point that I'm not sure people really give enough thought to, and it's very simply that there are so many appliances in the average home today. The lifestyle of people has changed so much to large, you know, toward larger houses and more uh, tangible items, more electronics. That people aren't aware of the fact that I, I believe the single biggest growth area in energy use right now is this whole area of miscellaneous energy. And it gets yeah. into the fact that, you know, we have products that are on standby mode constantly, the flashing lights on a DVD, VCR, TV, microwave oven, stove, whatever, the, the things people have in their homes from waterbed heaters to aquariums. Uh, we have more TVs in, in the houses. Uh, it's hard to believe how many products people own, electric toothbrushes, uh, home computers, microwave ovens, uh, all of these things that people need to think about the fact that, even though they're doing some of the big things, uh, buying energy-efficient appliances, buying energy-efficient heating and cooling systems, that they're using energy in so many things, in so many ways that they live at home, that controlling that energy use really can have an effect uh, as much as 20% of home energy might be attributed to these miscellaneous users. Yes, that is often a startling fact when, I, when I'm talking to consumers just in general. My family knows that I actually patrol my house for any power supplies that are plugged into the wall with nothing attached to them. That is a major pet peeve of mine. And they don't understand, you know, that these products, are, these, these little blocks that are plugged into your wall are still drawing some sort of power even when they're not powering anything. So that's a very good point. Well, this is Tom again. I think that issue of standby power or vampire power can really be resolved on the manufacturer's end in a lot of cases. I think they have made equipment that, that sucks up this power even when it's not being used when it's just on standby. And a lot of the Energy Star requirements are that they have much less or even no standby power, so, that, so that's great. Those Energy Star um, certification levels that they have. And also, I believe in California, there is legislation, I'm not sure if it's passed yet, that would require much less standby power. So I would think, I would really like to see the manufacturers do more on that end. But in the meantime, the public needs to do the kind of things that you're doing, Denise, at home. This is Kitty. In our survey, again, not a highly scientific survey, but certainly gave us a sense of what people were thinking, 93% of respondents said a key action they would take in their homes was to turn off appliances and electronics when they weren't using them. And, I mean, it was beyond using energy-efficient appliances. It was the top the top thing that they said they would do. Virtually everyone said that. And I think to to your point of manufacturers, I, mean, you could, I think they could be cashing 
cashing in on this by, by promoting products that are turning themselves off, that are not sucking energy, that in fact that's a real plus because in fact I'm confused about what I can turn off. Can I really unplug my VCR, TV thing? Is that going to screw everything up? Uh, I, I'm, I think a lot of people might not know exactly what is taking up energy and, and I think some manufacturers could really sort of play into that. It might be some, you know, might be an opportunity. That's true. EPA and Energy Star are closely looking at and we've actually revised specifications for many of our products that use the standby energy so that they're using less. I mean, they're going to use some, but we're making it so that the spec is as tight as possible and they're using the least amount to do the mm-hmm. same job. So in conjunction with working with industry, we are trying to address this problem and hopefully you know, we'll get to a place where none of these products are using energy like that. But that speaks again to kind of the argument I got from people, well, I don't want to have to unplug everything because I don't want to have to reset those clocks and what have you. And honestly, I don't either. So, um, you know, we do tell them you maybe use a power strip to plug everything. For example, your computer and your monitor and you know, your printer, all these things are plugged in. Just use a power strip so that we're shutting everything down when we're done with it. And it's really about making smart choices when we're purchasing products and smarter choices when we're using them and when we're done using them. Let's talk about what we think home energy use and home energy efficiency is going to look like, say, within the next three to five years. Any ideas? This is Ken. I I think there's going to be a bigger change in just sort of the design and construction of new homes. I'm very encouraged by the number of builders and architects and designers all over the country who clearly are building homes that meet and exceed, uh, greatly exceed standards in their area. And I must again give credit to Energy Star with the Energy Star New Homes Program that has really helped show people what you can do to make a house more efficient through the insulation, the construction, the ductwork that people don't realize. And what they're starting to realize, I ought to say, is when you buy a house today, it's sort of your conventional, typical house that meets code. You're actually buying the least efficient home on the market because the code is the minimum that home builders have to start with. So when people start looking more for Energy Star new homes and other homes that builders and architects are giving them that have the better windows, that have the adequate insulation, that have the roof overhangs, that proper color walls for the climate, all of the things that go into making a house, I think we'll not only see products that are more efficient, but in general we're going to see homes, commercial buildings, all kinds of structures that are better made and better built for their climate. Mrs. Kitty, I would like to think that consumers will get smarter, well, not, not even necessarily smarter, but they'll begin to ask a different set of questions that as gas prices rise, as their heating bills continue to rise, as you know, reliance on on um, foreign oil becomes more of an issue, you know, increasingly an issue that the consumers begin to connect dots and and ask those questions and 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 look for those products. But I'm also um, so aware of how much people are trying to cash in on this and how much green washing, if you will, or certainly green product that are being touted as, as green in a variety of ways, how, how 
trendy. That's because you know certainly it's a big trendiness right now, and how how that how that lasts or how that rides out, I'm not sure. But that can add to the confusion for an illness of fatigue, a green fatigue for readers, excuse me, for well, consumers, readers. And that's a concern of mine is that, you know, is, is that there will be so much out there and again, an explosion of choices that what really counts and what really is worthwhile and what really makes a difference, can, that, that whole area can get cloudy. Someone buying, you know, a, a towel because it's green and thinking that they're saving the earth. At the same time, they're leaving the refrigerator open all day long. Uh, you know, there's... There's a, there's a lot of balance, I think, that's going to have to be struck, and it's going to take, you know, the journalists and, um, and the EPA and, and such really pointing out what matters to, to the consumer. One of the areas that we're concerned with here is raising the energy IQ of the consumer because we feel that it's very important that consumers understand how their daily activities impact the environment. And most people think, okay, I drive my car, I know there's pollution that comes from my car, and that impacts the environment. And I've actually had to spell out for people that when you tell them that their home can pollute twice as much as a car, they don't grasp that concept right away. And you almost have to go um, step by step. You turn on a light in your home, energy is used to make that light work. Where's that energy coming from? A power plant somewhere is burning fossil fuels that are going into the environment and we have to lay it out for them and I feel like once I've made that connection in talking to someone, then they start to understand, okay, so this is why I need to change the way that I use energy in my home. So now I understand why my mother tells me turn out the light when you're leaving the room. And I think that, you know, the responsibility is on us to continue raising these IQs so that people can make a lifestyle change and do better not just to save money on energy bills, but to lessen their overall impact on the environment. This is Ken. Is, uh, I guess we've come back almost full circle with the education idea here. People really haven't, I think, made the firm connection that when you look at your lifestyle, there are so many things that you spend money on that you really can't control. Your house taxes are probably going to go up every year. Food costs are probably going to go up on a regular basis. The price of the pump has certainly been going up on a regular basis. There are a lot of things we really can't control, but we can control our home energy use. And if mm. we take that as a, something that we can make a difference, it's one of the few things we spend a lot of money on that we really have a fair amount of control if we choose to exercise. That's a really good point. Great. I'd like to thank all of my guests today. Tom Watson, the eco-consumer from Seattle. Kitty Morgan, the executive editor of Better Homes and Gardens from Des Moines, Iowa. And Ken Scheinkopf from the Florida Solar Energy Center for sharing your insight and advice on how homeowners can be more energy efficient in their homes and reduce their footprints on the environment. Raising our energy IQ and making wise decisions about how we use energy in our homes are important steps in reducing the impacts of global warming. To comment on this podcast and to learn about ways you can be more energy efficient in your home, visit us at energystar.gov and take a tour of the interactive Energy Star at Home tool, which gives you room-by-room advice. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to stay tuned for more Energy Star podcasts. We'll keep you informed on the latest in energy efficiency and help you find ways to make a positive difference for our planet. I'm Denise Durrett with the EPA's Energy Star Program. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to the Energy Star Podcast brought to you by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. To hear more about energy efficiency at home and at work, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or keep checking EnergyStar.gov for more episodes. Thanks again for listening and for your interest in Energy Star. 